Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, the comic book podcast hosted by Will Hines and Kevin Hines, two brothers who are also comedians. Uh, Will is from Los Angeles or lives in Los Angeles, and I am based in the New York area. Uh, We're both performers and uh, teachers at the UCB Theaters, and we are also lifelong comic book readers talking about comics we read a lifetime ago. That's right. And now this season we're going over The Incredible Hulk, the first six issues of The Incredible Hulk by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Sorry, by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Um, and these are this is sort of the third of our digest series. We had these digests as kids. We've yeah. talked about this before. Of the uh, first 20 issues of Spider-Man, was it? Um, that's right. Uh, uh, and the first six issues of FF and the first six issues of The Hulk. So this was sort of our entryway into the start of the Marvel Universe, and we read them over and over and over again. Uh, so these issues are sort of etched into our brains. They are. If we die and somebody does an autopsy of our brains and they really get in there, they're going to find actual visual imprints of the pages in our gray matter. Yeah, the terror of the toad men will never be forgotten by me, unfortunately. Although I had forgotten it until I read it for this podcast. I always, I mean, this is maybe the weirdest of the six issues, and that's saying a lot. Yeah. Uh, there were certain images that I remembered, but I was like, this story is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, Kevin, what if we do something radical and just get right into it? Uh, I'd rather talk for a few hours. A few hours. Okay. About yes, quite a while. The, the, the politics that were behind the military in the 1960s. I think it it plays into this. You think for the reader to understand issue two, we need to explain the military-industrial complex of the early 60s. Okay, well... That's right. I think Stan Lee was really pulling from the headlines with General Thunderbolt Ross and his fight against the invasion of the uh, Toad Men. Thunderbolt Ross, so you're saying that a lot of what's going on in Vietnam at this time, which is like... Kennedy's escalating stuff under the guise of military advisors. America's starting a lot of covert wars across the country. You think that that's being talked about? Yeah, I think this is an allegory for um, the toad the men. unwinnable the unwinnable battle of Vietnam. Is and the terror of the toad men represent that? That's right. Similar to Captain America punching Hitler in the face when the Hulk swats Rick Jones aside for a third time in this issue. That's, oh, I was so happy when that happened that's again. That's a comment on Vietnam. Um, okay, I'll, I'll keep it in mind, but maybe we don't go the full two hours this time in the background. And okay. Maybe I'll uh, just, in the description, recommend a couple of books for people to read. That sounds good. Uh, all right, let's dig in. All right, issue two, The Incredible Hulk, The Terror of the Toad Men. Uh, the cover shows a bunch of toad men looking pretty psyched on a very modern uh, Western-looking computer screen. And on the screen is uh, military men, including General Thunderbolt Ross and Betty Ro- Betsy Ross. Wait, Betty Ross. Betty, Betty. And, oh, um, man, I've broken us permanently. Yeah. The Toad Men are saying it's too late for the humans to stop us now. Nothing can stop us. The usual confident Marvel villains. Uh, General Thunderbolt Ross's assistant is saying, General, it's them, the Toad Men. I guess they know of them. They're attacking. But, Kevin, who else is on the cover? Sneaking in by bursting through the steel wall <laughs> seems to have learned nobody does it. They don't seem to have noticed that he's burst through the steel wall and he goes, nothing except the Hulk. He's so strong that he can rip open a steel wall like very demurely. Yeah. The Hulk's got poise, you know? He's got That's style. a great image of the Hulk there. That's a nice broad Hulk. You like that? I like the Hulk being a little broad, yeah. He's pretty meaty, that's for sure. Um, Let's... Uh, let's Let's move right. I, I love that cover. I mean, it's insane. And the fact that there's aliens and stuff does not fit into the Hulk universe that I think of. Yeah, it's such a weird comment because the Hulk is obviously a science character. He's born of science. But like when you get to like alien invasions, it's like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Like yeah. the last issue involved him fighting the military and like a communist supervillain. And now he's fighting off alien toad men. This is the era, though. Marvel Comics was still mostly a monster book place. So Jack's like, the kids want monsters. J- Jack and Stan, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, like, when you hear it, when you try to work backwards from the decisions they're making, seem like the most desperate. Like, they're throwing everything 
at the wall to see what'll get people to read their comics. They're like, what do they want? They want toad men? We'll give them toad men like crazy. (laughs) It's such a weird thing, because I mean, I assume this came out a month after the first issue, at most two months after. Yeah. Like, what kind of reaction did they get off the first issue? Like, ah, that wasn't exciting enough for the fans. How could it not have been? Um, So let's throw in an alien invasion. It feels like such a pivot. For it's like, oh, this isn't working. Let's change. Yeah. It's like, well, what isn't working? You just started. Yeah. I mean, uh, the FF had a little bit of that too, where it'd be like, oh, what is the tone of this book? But this just feels like a well, almost a one eighty. Yeah. But even within this book, as we go through the pages, it feels like it changes gears a few times. It feels like they started writing it, and then like page three changed their mind about what the story <laughs> was going to be. I mean, I kind of love it. Uh, okay, the splash page, we see the Hulk. Uh, he seems just to be kind of wandering through a swamp. Um, uh, he's got, he's gone, instead of being kind of sad hangdog look, he looks like sort of a, a zombie here. Like he's got cavernous eyes. Yeah, there's a couple moments in this book he acts zombie-like. Um, luckily, the splash page has like four different boxes full of text in case we get lost. Mm-hmm. We see the title of the Hulk. We see a big part one. We see the title of the book, The Terror of the Toad Men. We see another. Oh, the title of just this chapter is Enter the Toad Men. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. there's also a big long caption, like a savage marauding monster from some mad netherworld. The frightening figure of the Hulk suddenly appears from out of the murky swamp, and our mind-staggering adventure begins. Um, that's Stanley at about a five. <laughs> yeah, but even as you read that in Will Hines' voice, you couldn't help but have like a little Stanley seep in. You can't. You can't help it. Those words uh, bring him forth. So what's happening here as we start the story, Kevin, is the Hulk is just sort of terrorizing some desert town. Yeah, and this feels different even than the last issue where the Hulk sort of didn't seem maliciously destroying things. Yeah, but he's just wrecking he, stuff here. But this, like, he was just sort of like, oh, I'm going to go do this. And in that course of doing that, people attacked him. Here, he just seems to be out to destroy. Yeah, so and there's people are running in terror. I mean, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a nighttime thing. The Hulk is just kind of running through the streets, punching through cars. Uh, page two, we see everybody. We see people hiding inside. The Hulk stops a cab and punches through it. Four or five sheriffs jump on him, and he's just casting them aside. Mm-hmm. He's ripping out lampposts. Um, he hasn't spoken yet, so we don't know what level of verbosity he's at, because that sort of changes. Yeah. Uh, by page three, Rick Jones has shown up. Rick um, Jones, teenage and, sidekick. And takes the Hulk aside. He's like, Hulk, uh, follow me. I'll lead you to safety. And while doing so, remembers a recap of issue one. Yes, which is where Bruce Banner's a scientist, and he's got a gamma bomb, and Rick Jones... Because of a, a dare is out alone on the testing field and Banner runs out to save him and he does, but therefore exposes himself to the gamma bomb blast, making him the Hulk. Every night, every night he turns into the Hulk. That's, That's what's right. working right now. So we get um, all that. And you know what, Kevin? I don't mind that recapping at the top of the issue. That makes sense. No, to me. especially when you think about it, like there aren't, there's no internet. There's no, who knows who picked up issue one. Like, you do need so, to let yeah. people know what's going on. What's the status quo of this character? I want to say something on page four at the end of the recap, the last panel of the recap. It's Rick Jones talking to Banner post first transformation. And uh, Banner looks, you know, forlorn as he's realizing the curse that has now entered his life. You know, there'll be no place for me to hide, no place to turn. It'll be the Hulk against all mankind. But then Rick Jones is drawn sort of happy there. Yeah. I think they were trying to make him that snarky teenager, but I think Rick Jones is being cavalier. Yeah, I mean, he he's treating the Hulk's curse like a fun game. That's right. You know these teenagers. They, they don't take stuff seriously. That's right. For him, this is just a lark. It's what he's doing this week. Next week, it'll be ham radios for the Avengers. That's right, and which is true. He does have yep. kind, of a, kind of a happy-go-lucky life. Yeah. Uh, so then, Kevin, we have a hard cut in the middle of page four to a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, a spaceship with eyeballs. Does it have eyes? It looks like it. It looks like a, a toad-faced spaceship. Hey, 
The Toad Men have great visual design. They're like, if we're going to cross the universe in a ship, let's give it some style. Make it look like a toad. And, oh, but yeah, um, there's these little green Toad Men who uh, talk about magnets a lot. Right. They're orange. <laughs> yeah. Are they, are they orange? They're orange like the oh. thing. Uh, I'm colorblind. Sorry. Sorry to bring that out. Yeah, well, um, it's out there now. Um, they're orange like the thing, and they do talk about magnets all the time. They have magnets. These are magnets unlike any I've ever seen. They work on skin and wood. They work mm-hmm. across planetary distances, so they should they should be bragging about it. And yeah. they land, I, I, I guess they're landing in the American Southwest because they're going to run into the Hulk. Yes, and they're this searching be- for the smartest mind they can find. Uh, on Earth, so they can figure out whether or not they are going to be able to take over Earth. It's a slap in the face to Reed Richards. They didn't go to Manhattan. Nope. Uh, or Kevin to Sp- Hank Pym, Marvel's yeah. second hero. Yeah, or the not yet created Tony Stark. Um, they, they, um, this could explain Roswell, Kevin. You think the Toad Men were Roswell? I mean, they're going to, you know, some kind of nuclear testing base in, in Arizona or New Mexico mm. or wherever this is taking place. I mean, it could, other than the fact there was also an invasion that happens afterwards. That Yeah, this book goes far. Yeah. Um, so the Toad Men are landing. We cut away from them, and Rick Jones and Dr. Banner have on matching purple outfits with equipment, and General Thunderbolt Ross and Betty Ross are, and his daughter Betty Ross, love interest, is are seeing them off. Yeah. Um, it's weird because we don't really see what happened at that town. The Hulk, like the Hulk <laughs> destroyed a town. Rick Jones, I guess, walked him away. <laughs> and no repercussions. Yeah, they were just like, all right, we'll keep quiet on this. How the teenagers got this in hand? You take your drunk friend out of this bar, no need to press charges. Kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, General Thunderbolt Ross is... Um, Really sweet and sympathetic to Dr. Banner. I mean, this is, is a man just... who was exposed to a gamma bomb like a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. And he, I, um, yeah, he doesn't like this milksop. Yeah, I was being sarcastic. He hates Banner. No, I realize. No need to worry about him. That milksop will find a safe place to hide whenever danger threatens. Already thinks he's a coward. The worst insult you can say about somebody in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, but also like... If if aliens invaded or, or you know whatever we were at war, I don't want our scientists on the front line. They should be hiding. Get them get them with some designing stuff. Yeah, get them building weapons. Put you know the strong people up front. That's not Banner's uh, forte. Also, shouldn't generals be busy? He's like just walks around a lot. Hey, uh, I mean he's got to hang out with his daughter. She needs company. I mean, I like that he's a strong father figure, but uh, get, take care of America's military. There's a war going on. Um, um, Rick but and Banner Rick, and Rick are working um, on a little project in a cave in the middle of the desert. Yeah, they go into a cave that is um, actually underwater. The, the entrance is above water, but it goes deep sort of underwater, and they create a cell to imprison the Hulk in. Yes. Which, Kevin, that makes sense. Yeah, the plan is that just at nighttime, Banner will go in here and he'll get locked in. And then in the morning, Rick Jones will let him out. I mean, if you know exactly when you're going to turn into the Hulk, this is like the most rational decision a Marvel protagonist makes. That's right. Unfortunately, Kevin, after they, so they set up the cave, I guess, no problem. Just Rick and Bruce excavate, put in a hydraulic system, just the two of them. They have yeah. equ- equipment is being installed way larger than anything they were carrying. Yes. But he, they, they build a solid concrete wall, the two of them. Yeah, but they do it, and uh, it's all set up. But then, Kevin, by coincidence, they run into the Toad Men, which brings us to part two. Yes, that's right. The Toad Men, like, knock them off their feet with their magnet blasts. Their magnet blasts are able to levitate human bodies. Yes. Um, that's that's a pretty crazy magnetic ability. I think that these are not magnet, magnetism, but some other thing the Toad Men have stumbled onto that we don't know, but they just think yeah. it's magnetism. Hmm. The, the Toad Men... I'm um, going to take them at their word. Okay. I mean, I guess they're smarter than we are. The Toad Men um, are out of shape. Yeah. How, how many spaceships have you made, Will? Zero. Mm, I think I'm going to go with the Toad Men on this one. Okay. Toad Men are out of shape. These guys are like paunchy. It looks like a bunch of middle-aged... Um, 
you know, guys who are just done watching football. Yeah, these are more Steve Ditko aliens than uh, Jack Kirby aliens. Yeah, Jack Kirby would normally give you some, you know, they would have their shoulder blades would be twice as wide as they are tall. But these guys look like gas pumps. Uh, they look like um, yoga balls. Um, they're, they look like those things that when, I, when we were kids, they would be the rubber balls that you could sit on, you could hop along on that had like... <laughs> yeah, sure. I remember those. Yeah. They look like those. They're, they're like weeble wobbles in another like, sense. Yeah. They're not intimidating, except they have these magnet rays that are floating everybody all over the place. So I guess they are intimidating. And they immediately yeah. bring Rick and Bruce up to space. <laughs> yeah. They put them in their spaceship. They fly off to space and then explain their plan to just destroy the Earth. Yeah, their plan is to invade and destroy the Earth using magnets. They're going to mess with the tides. They're going to make everybody immobilized. They're going to um, rip cities off the ground. And then Rick Jones starts talking trash, and they zap him back to Earth. Cause it's like, they don't Why kill do him, though. They don't kill him. They're going to kill the whole Earth so they don't value human life. But him, they gently bring him back to Earth. Yes. They put Bruce in a cell. They're going to use his brain. But, Kevin, they make a fatal mistake. The ship... Yeah, this... Never do this with your prisoners. Um, they move away from the sun. Yeah. They go into the... They cross over around Earth into the night half of Earth, which triggers the change. Yeah. He becomes the Hulk. The Hulk is confused as to why he's in a spaceship. <laughs> fair. Fair confusion. The last time he knew he was destroying a small town. Now he's in outer space. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the most confusing quantum leap. <laughs> um, you just wake up in different places. I mean, now I'm on the Toad Men's side on this. How would you predict this is going to happen? <laughs> no, there's no way. Like, it, uh, when you go to Bruce Banner's cell and instead of Bruce Banner, you find the Hulk and you're like terrified, I'm like, you yeah. had no way to predict this. And if somebody did predict it, they should not have been listened to. The first panel of page 10, the Toad Men is sort of talking to the other Toad Men going. <laughs> <laughs> by now, by now, the human should be willing to tell us anything. He should, what? Because Hulk has <laughs> burst through the wall and is destroying them. I mean, it's really satisfying. These guys have been talking trash about the human race. And now the Hulk is just going to beat the crap out of them. I mean, it's not a sophisticated plan. The Hulk is just beating them up. I love it. Yeah, it's great. They um, uh, the Hulk grabs one of their ray guns and shoots them with it. I mean, he doesn't. He seems very smart here. He's operating uh, a gun. Yeah. You now dare, you taste the sting of your weapon, says the Hulk. Yeah, he's got he's got very kind of um, uh, rarefied speech for a for a beast. You taste the sting of your weapon. It's kind of Shakespearean, really. Um, um, the Toad Men are. They are flummoxed. Their helmets get kicked off, so now they look even more like little thing Muppets. Um, and he, the Hulk locks them up. I mean, he takes in one page. He's got control of the ship. Yeah, and he's got plans to use the ship to destroy Earth. <laughs> yeah, he's like, good. I will, I'm just going to destroy Earth instead of them. We cut down to Earth. Do we cut to the president? Do we cut to the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Do we cut to a panel of military advisors? No. Earth's defense against everything when you're in a Hulk comic is one man, General Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. And I I haven't read this yet, Kevin. Does he advise caution and prudence? <laughs> Does General Thunderbolt Ross want to take a moment and come up with a plan and get data? Well, the Citizen H, all he knows right now is that there is one single unidentified flying object in space. He doesn't know what it is, mm -hmm. who it is. Right. Uh, and he opts to fire seven missiles at it. What's his dialogue exactly? Uh, if your radar shows an unidentified <laughs> flying object above us, shoot it down, man. <laughs> what do you think we're here for? Do you think these guys listening to the orders are like, this guy's the general? Like, well, this country's going to die. <laughs> yeah. He fires so many missiles at what could be like a lost airplane as far as he knows. Yeah, it could just be like a, one, an early satellite. I mean, this is like the early time of the space race. Um, could be Sputnik. He's successful, though. Yep, he, he blows the ship out of the sky. It crashes to the Earth. They race to it. And who do they find in it? And now we go to part three. I love how, how many parts there are. Yeah, yeah. Um, part three... Out of the wreckage emerges Bruce Banner. The splash page of part three, Kevin, I love it. 
Yeah. The sort of sh- half-shadowed Bruce Banner coming out of the wreckage. It looks so good. He's in his ripped clothing because the Hulk doesn't fit his outfits. That's right. Uh, you don't see his face. A couple army men are pointing guns at him. And the title is Bruce Banner, Wanted for Treason. I'll say one thing for the Toad Men's um, spaceship design. It's sturdy. Like, this ship crashes to Earth, and I think everybody survived. Like, it got hit by seven missiles, and Banner's fine, and all of the Toad Men seem to have survived also. Yeah, not that the military knows that. They see Banner climbing out and immediately go, this is the guy responsible. Arrest him. There's nobody else inside. Even though we can see from our comic book panel, the Toad Men are still clamoring out, using their magnet rays to dig a hole. They burrow through the floor of the ship, through the earth, and they tunnel underneath the military man, which I think is logistically implausible, but it looks extremely cool. And this is one of the panels that I remember from when I was a kid. Like, it was sort of viscerally exciting to imagine just being able to burrow under the earth. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be about four inches of earth left between this tunnel and the army men tromping around above them. Yeah, it doesn't seem very stable. Uh, I also I wonder if this is where Elon Musk got the idea for the boring company, you know, just a, a super fast tunneling operation. You think he works with the Toad Men? I think that he has connections to the Toad Men and he is stealing <laughs> their technology to make a subway connection to LAX. I mean, these magnets are powerful. If he's got access to them, we need to use that. But, we need to utilize that knowledge. But your point is valid. If if Elon does use the Toad Men's power, I hope he goes a little bit deeper because it does look like the ground is very shallow above this tunnel. Yeah, I think if I jumped up and down on that like twice, I would fall into this hole and discover the Toad Men. This is, the Toad Men then have an interesting reaction. They get, they get away and their reaction is to start the invasion. Yeah, they decided there's only seems to be one Hulk. Yeah, and that's like, the only thing we're worried about. Like things have gone pretty wrong for them. They captured one human. He turned into a monster that they could, yep. that they could not handle. Yeah. Then they got shot down out of space. Pretty handily. And they're yeah. like, sounds good. Start the invasion. <laughs> like that's that's confidence. Yeah. Their job was to figure out how, whether it was risky or not. And I think the answer is it's risky. It's risky. Some of these people turn into huge green monsters. If none of this convinced you not to invade, you should have just invaded immediately. Yeah, you didn't need to scout. Uh, we cut back to where Rick Jones and Bruce Banner are in jail because uh, they are being... No, Bruce is in jail, not Rick. Bruce is yeah, because Rick was, remember, released by the Toad Men earlier. Right, so he's you know he landed and got a change of clothes. Um, Bruce Banner's being held, and Rick's like, this is bad. If you're here at night, you're going to turn into the Hulk, and they'll see you. And he's like, fine, why, why not? And I love, I love morose, resigned Bruce Banner. Yeah. I like emo characters in my comic books, and Banner is one. Um, we cut then to the uh, Ross family, Betty and Thunderbolt. And uh, Betty is shook by the, the revelation that the guy she has a crush on is a traitor, to the human race, uh, Thunderbolt Ross believes it, but then he gets a phone call. Apparently, there's an invasion happening. Fleets and fleets and fleets of aliens have invaded the planet, um, and so he's like, "Well, I'll take care of this." The bottom of page fourteen is sort of like uh, this is kind of a panel we see in Jack Kirby comics a lot, which I love. Which is like, it's a you know wide shot of like a cityscape and there's just the sky is filled with something and somebody Mm -hmm. in the foreground is looking out at us the reader and pointing up at the stuff being like can you believe it um and you know what i say this is a good panel composition and they should use it more it's great it doesn't feel like a hulk comic anymore yeah we're in some like alien invasion story and the hulk i mean i guess the hulk does come back but he doesn't seem important to this story at this point no, he's secondary to the worldwide invasion of the Toadmen. Also, I like that Betty Ross is dismayed about how Bruce is a villain, but they're not dismayed at, like, the presence of alien life. Like, just like the—oh, I guess they don't know there's alien life yet. They just think—okay, never mind. It makes sense. They, they think Bruce Banner just built a toad-shaped spaceship. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense they're focusing on him. So we're into part four, Kevin, the invasion, although the title is Hulk Runs Amok. I like, here we get to see the king of the Toad Men, and he wears a pretty cool crown. <laughs> <laughs> he, he still uses the Earth-like um, 
uh, paraphernalia of a king. He's got like a little scepter and a crown. <laughs> and like a, lot, like a lot of Kirby bad guys, he's rocking a tight pair of shorts. <laughs> yeah, real tight. Kirby. Riding up a little bit on him. <laughs> One way to tell if you're evil in the Kirby universe is like you're showing a lot of leg. That's like, I guess, evil to Kirby or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he looks these like guys in Galactus. It's just a space thing. In space, you don't wear pants. It looks like he's wearing underoos, and he's got a crown and a scepter, and he already is like a toad man. Like he doesn't look scary. He looks like he, looks, he, he looks like a drunk guy in the corner of the bar, being like, "I once met David Bowie." <laughs> Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Uh, over the next six or seven panels, the Toad, the Toad King explains his plan to move the moon closer to Earth to wreak havoc on Earth. Oh, Which is, you know, I guess a pretty good plan if you want yeah. to wreck a planet for, I guess, no reason. I guess for no reason. They this seem the vindictive. S- they seem vindictive. This, this is the second time they're explaining plans. There's nothing. I don't know what they need from Earth. Yeah, why are they mad at us? What did we do? And it's not like they have a re- we have a resource they need or we're in a location they need. They just came to destroy us. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. This These toad the people need to yeah. talk this through. Uh, this is an era when it's a Marvel comic book by Dag Nabbit. There's going to be a monster, and it's going to want to take over the Earth. I mean, similar to why were the communists and the Americans in Vietnam? That's the allegory here, guys. Think <laughs> about it. There's a lot of stuff going on. The moon being shifted is uh, the moving border between North and South Vietnam. Wow, you're, you're really getting into it. Yeah, that's right. That's all I know about Vietnam. Um, well, we're going to cut to Thunderbolt Ross, and I'm sure that he's taking the time to try to find out what their motives are and try to communicate. And he's going to try to like gather information before he moves so that he is operating with full, uh, fully informed from a fully informed position. Is that right? He's got a plan. His plan is that somehow, some way we'll save earth for mankind. Um, um, so he's, he's just planning to fight. Somebody off panel is surrendering the entire planet earth. Who's making that announcement? Page six. Oh, no, they're asking for it. Oh, the only okay. way to reverse our one way for us to reverse our magnetic rays says the Toad King, and that is by announcing the complete surrender of Planet Earth. Um, it's a suggestion; it has not happened yet. Yeah, our response would be: Look, first we got to get like about 150 heads of state into a room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have the government mechanism that you're looking for. Um, and you know, you could get this if you get a surrender from the Soviet Union and America at this time. You pretty much got it. But um, no, at this time, you get a phone call like this. You say, get me General Thunderbolt Ross on line two. That's right. Line two, please. Leave yeah. line one open. Leave for line one open. Coming calls. That's right. That's, I am expecting a call about my uh, phone company. Yeah. Ironically, my phone company is going to call me. So I need a phone line open for them. But on line I mean, two, this, Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, that's right. So line three is for family members. So the hubbub has one good effect. On page 17, no one's paying any attention to Bruce Banner, so when night falls, he turns into the Hulk. No one notices. Yeah, he just walks out of his cell, bursts through the wall, attacks a few army men with their gun. Just starts attacking everybody in sight. <laughs> he knocks down a guard tower. But here's where he gets zombie-like. He um, kind of lunges towards... He, he doesn't talk on page 17 at all. And then by page 18, he goes, General, he locked me in a cell. He is my enemy. I must find him. Must find General. Yeah, his, you know, a couple pages ago, he was like, now you taste the sting of your weapon. And now he's like, must find General. It's like he kind of veers between Shakespearean villain and caveman. And he's like walking with like his hands almost outstretched like a, a mummy. 
Yeah, he's kind of lumbering forward. He knows where the general lives, but only Betty Ross is there. And the Hulk walks in the front door. And you know what? I think that'd be scary. It is scary, but I'm grateful that he didn't burst through a wall that he didn't need to. He seems to like to go through walls a lot. It was polite of him to open and close the door. The army was right outside. It's a bummer for them. They were so close to where they should have been. Uh, but they're at the bottom of the driveway. They did not see the Hulk enter through the front door. Um, so they start attacking. Yeah, they try to go in the door after the Hulk, but he sort of just kicks them back out. <laughs> so they bring a tank, which I got to say makes sense. Yeah. But Rick Jones is somehow here with his bolo tie and his Western clothes. And he's like, let me talk to him. Um, yeah. So it's Rick Jones, the army and a tank all bursting through the back wall of General Thunderbolt Ross's house. I can see where Rick Jones thinks this will work because at the beginning of the issue, when the Hulk was destroying a <laughs> nameless desert town, he was able to sort of walk to the front of the pack and talk the Hulk down. Yes. But he, but here it doesn't work. The Hulk is too mad. <laughs> and so the, the Hulk, for the third time in their friendship, swats him aside. <laughs> I mean, it, lo- it looks so insane. It looks, it's the most dismissive thing you could do to somebody. To open hand, backhand, swat them so that they're horizontally flying through the air. He backhands Rick. Rick is, again, horizontal, (laughs) flying away from him. And all Rick Jones says is, goes, it's me, your friend. He goes, the Hulk has no friends. And swacks him across the room. I mean, (laughs) Rick Jones hasn't done anything wrong to the Hulk. But, you know, when you're emotionally hurting and somebody suggests that they love you, somebody's not ready to hear it. I think that's yeah. what's going on to the Hulk. So in a way, uh, it's Rick's fault. It's Rick's fault. He's got to have better empathy for where the Hulk is at. So we move into part five, the end of the Hulk. That was the Hulk runs amok. The Hulk running amok was breaking out of a jail cell and entering a house through a door. Yes, that's right. Uh, now the end of the Hulk, we open with one of my favorite sort of tropes, which is the Hulk just surrounded, covered by a pile of dudes trying to hold yeah. him down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I count twelve guys easily on that panel. Yeah. And he shrugs them off. It's really fun to see that happen. That is if you're playing Hulk as a kid, one of the fun things is to curl into a ball, people cover you up and you rise up and everybody's gotta go flying. Yeah. Last issue, I think he he took a little bit of effort to toss Igor aside. Yeah. Now he's shrugging off 17 army men. Um, in classic monster movie style, he grabs Betty Ross and carries her off. Yeah, but he carries her off by like lifting the side of the house As and if then it's putting a it down. Door. Yeah, like it's like it's a garage door. It's it's cartoon like in the way he sort of like puts it back where it was. Um, it's like in walks- a cartoon where like they pull up the side of the house to like sweep Underneath, like, the foundation. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, some of some of Kirby's action sequences do inadvertently look slapsticky. When he When he swats Rick, it looks slapsticky, and the Hulk using the side of the house as a garage door is pretty insane. So Hulk and Betty Ross, he's lumbering off into the night. There's no He gives no reason why he's taking Betty Ross. But, you know, it just seems like, you know, monster, love interest, uh, they're, they, they are trapped by the tropes of the genre here. Yeah, they're playing their parts because they haven't really thought through who they really are to each other. Uh, Rick Jones guesses that the Hulk is going to go to Banner's lab, that that will be home to the Hulk. And he's right. That's where the Hulk is. <laughs> I like to imagine that panel of him holding his head. It's just him like, oof, just like dizzy, <laughs> battered, going, oh, I guess I got to follow the Hulk again. <laughs> Hope I don't get swatted. <laughs> Not this issue. You've got your one swat. So at Banner's lab, Betty is on the floor and she's like, who are you? Why do you hate us so? And the Hulk monologues. Hulk is a little monologue. Hate you? Why shouldn't I hate you? Why shouldn't I hate all mankind? Look what men have done to me. But they will hound me no longer. Now the Hulk will fight back on my own terms. Um, Camera zooms in on his face. Looks great. I love it. Um, I love beleaguered, tortured Hulk, even though the people haven't done anything to him that he has been the one instigating all the wreckage this issue. But okay. I get that people are scared of him. Yeah. Um, Rick Jones, Rick Jones shows bursts up, in and the Hulk, and is the Hulk gets ready to slap him again. I think sounds like he's going to murder him. This time I silence you forever. 
I'm going to slap you harder. <laughs> That's what that means. Luckily for Rick Jones, the moon is moved. Because <laughs> don't forget, there's still a Toad Man invasion happening. And they're moving. And they're the both moon. tossed aside. They're tossed aside by the movement of the moon. Um, but somehow that also brings about daytime. Yeah, they're, they're knocked aside unconscious long enough for the sun to come up. Okay, so the sun comes up and he turns back to Banner. Mm-hmm. Then Banner lifts unconscious Betty in his arms. Banner's looking pretty dreamy. Yeah, I mean, Bottom turning into the Hulk 22. is really a great workout. Um, yeah, he's kind of jacked. Uh, he lifts up Betty Ross, sets her down on a couch, and, and uh, takes care of her. But he has a plan to stop the Toad Men. You know, Rick Jones' best service to Banner so far in these two issues is that every time he turns into Hulk, Rick, I think, picks up his glasses <laughs> and carries them along until he sees Banner again and then hands them back. I mean, that's important. Especially if you and I growing up with glasses, I'd be a real concern if I was a superhero. I was like, who's going to take care of my glasses for me? It must suck for Banner that the Hulk is not just super strong, but he's got 20-20 vision. Well, that's going to really burn him. Doesn't even, he's not even nearsighted. His eyes have muscles, I guess. If anyone needs LASIK, it's it's Bruce Banner. But, uh, you know, with his luck, he would go in for the appointment, turn into the Hulk. The Hulk would get LASIK and get, like, 2010 vision. Oh, man. So uh, Banner's plan is that he just kind of has handy a giant gun that shoots gamma rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to shoot it at the Toadman. And that gun is enormous. I don't know what building. It's inside of a building, but it's got to be a building the size of a jet hangar. Yeah. That also has, like, a roof that opens, I guess. I mean, it looks like a giant telescope. And his plan sounds terrible, right? Okay, uh, it was yeah. the power of the gamma rays that turned me into the Hulk. No one can predict what their effect would be on a field of magnetic energy. Perhaps? Yeah, his, his plan is maybe this will do something. Yeah, I don't know what this will do. Let's try it. Banner created a bomb, did not let anybody double check his figures. It turned him into a, a demon, uh, mm-hmm. but he has not turned his back on gamma rays yet no he also has shown that maybe igor was right in issue one to want to check his work this is a guy who's just like i don't know what this is gonna do yeah maybe you should have let the commie spy look over your work also what if you turn all the children into toad hulks won't that be bad in most issues that's what would happen anyone who gets hit by hulk rays becomes the leader or the abomination or somebody there's like thousands and thousands of ships he's going to bathe in gamma rays. We have, you know, these toad men turn like into like big, strong toad dudes. That's bad. Plus, they're going to need new shorts. Anyway, Thunderbolt Ross is focused on chasing down Banner instead of the toad men. Yeah, so the, he invades the place where this gamma gun is, and Rick Jones holds them off with a fire hose. That's right. These armed military men are held off by a fire hose. These military men are getting humiliated. They're shrugged off by the Hulk. They're locked in a house. They're they're hosed down. By a teenager. Um, but it gives Banner enough time to fire the gamma ray gun, which in two panels solves our problem. <laughs> All the UFOs fly away in a ray of gamma beam something. Problem solved. No follow-up investigation necessary. No communication <laughs> sent into space. Uh, this problem is zipped up, and we're never going to mention it again. It explains gamma energy, which strikes the alien's magnetic field head on, reversing the attraction of their rays and sending the toad ships spinning across the void of space, helplessly out of control forever. Uh, Once again, Marvel (laughs) villains are doomed to a limbo-like existence of solitary, you know, a lot of times like Marvel villains just get like locked in a chamber forever. No, that happens to our hero in this book, though. Happens to our hero in this book. Yeah, FF villains, I feel like they're always like buried in a volcano where the scrolls are trapped inside the bodies of cows and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but uh, we end with the Hulk in his chamber pounding to get out. Yeah, and that's an image we'll see a couple more times. It's an image I think you and I both love. I love it. Somehow the Hulk just like trapped in this chamber, Rick Jones closing the hydraulic door, the Hulk pounding his way out. It's, it, it did resonate with, with me as a kid as like a kind of a dramatic, cool thing. It's very dramatic. It's terrifying to imagine being Rick Jones in those moments. Uh, It's sad for Banner and sad for the Hulk, I guess. There's a little bit of text explaining that Banner has been, um, uh, because he shot this gamma beam recklessly, uh, released of all charges. They don't ask how he got in the spaceship, but... 
Yeah, they don't find out the story. They don't ask about the toad men, but uh, he is cleared of charges, so he's able to just be a civilian again. So in other words, this whole story doesn't matter. Yes. The most important thing we got from the story is there's an underwater chamber that the Hulk's going to be locked in for a while. Yeah, and I, that's a cool thing. This story was crazy, and like I said, it starts off with like this sort of monster Hulk story of him invading this town, becomes this weird invasion story with the Toad Man, then that gets ignored for a bit as the Hulk sort of lumbers around again, and then like they're like they just wrap it all up in a page. It just feels so slapdash. There's that comic book mentality that whatever is in the panel with you, you know everything about it, and you don't know anything about anything that's not in the panel with you. Like, it's out of sight, out of mind. They're very Buddhist. It's like, okay, I'm looking at the Hulk. The Hulk is my problem. I'm going to set aside the fact that the sky is filled with ships from an alien planet and focus on this guy who's right in front of me. So, uh, Will, what's your um, favorite image in this comic? My favorite image is going to be the last panel, Hulk trapped underwater, pounding his way out. Um, I think that's a great pick. I'm going to choose Hulk firing the laser gun, even though it's completely out of sync with what we expect from a Hulk comic. It looks cool on page 10. Um, Okay, I like that. Do you have a pick for favorite dialogue? I do. Um, I'm going to pick the uh, same page, the Toad Man being surprised by the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine's going to be Thunderbolt Ross saying to shut down any unidentified flying object. If your radar shows an unidentified flying object above us, shoot it down, man. What do you think we're here for? (laughs) Yeah, and mine mine is, by now the human should be willing to tell us anything. He should, what? (laughs) What manner of creature is this? (laughs) The Hulk is fun. Um, the Hulk is very fun. All right, this that's is issue two. such a bonkers book, and then the next issue is completely different. Yeah, yeah. Switch it up. Yeah, like they're like that didn't work. Um, Kev, do we have any email we should read? Yeah, we do have some emails that we should read. Well, how would people email us if they want to? We have an email address. It's screwitspidey at gmail. That's left over from our first season, but we like it. We're still using it. So you can email us at screwitspidey at gmail. But we also have an Instagram account, screwitcomics, um, which is really great. That shows clip uh, snapshots of what we're talking about. Uh, there's also a Twitter account, screwitcomics, if you are a tweeterer. Um, and Kevin has an Instagram account called Screw It Recent, which is sort of unrelated to anything we're talking about, except that it's just comics that Kevin's reading. And Kevin is a, a comics aficionado, so there's good stuff on there, too. At least read a ton. Yeah. Um, it's a breath of comics, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've got two emails. Okay. One is from Megan. Hello, Megan. And she writes, love the new season. You guys make listening about the Hulk so enjoyable. You create a clear image of what's going on, and you make me laugh. That's Yay. very nice. That's nice. Uh, I love how you two cover panel by panel, something we've returned to this season, Oil. Uh, one of my favorite parts on this, it was one of my favorite parts on the Spider-Man season. Right. The Fantastic Four season was impressive. I can't believe how much you covered. Uh, yes, it will forever go down as impressive and crazy. <laughs> um uh, and then she asks, question for both of you. What is your favorite sidekick in the Marvel Universe? Ooh, that's fun. It's a fun question. It's a tricky question because Marvel doesn't have that many like true sidekicks. I'm going to expand the definition to include sort of like supporting cast. Sure. Because a sidekick to a, like the classic sidekick is Batman's Robin. Right. You're also a hero. You're part of it. Rick um, Jones is basically a sidekick to the Hulk here, I would say. I would say, say that is true. Uh, Bucky was a sidekick to Captain America and uh, Toro was a sidekick to the Human Torch in the uh, World War II era comics. Yeah. Did There's Submar- a lot of partners. Did Submariner ever have like a little subby? I don't think he did. Yeah. I'm going to say my favorite sidekick is Willie Lumpkin, the mailman in the Fantastic Four. He does okay. help them apprehend a villain at one point. He is on their side. He wears a uniform, and he's a man of honor. Um, I'm and gonna, he, and he has I'm a superpower. A, yeah, his, he can wiggle his ears. That's right. I'm gonna go with the black cat. 
Uh, from the era, from the 80s comics, where she was sort of Spider-Man's partner. Oh, wow. Um, I really enjoyed those. Those are the Spider-Man comics when we first started reading. And there's something very cool about, like, oh, Spider-Man's dating this former criminal, so she's just going to fight crime with him. Which makes sense. Like, she's up on the rooftops leaping around anyway. Why wouldn't she partner up with him? She's more of a partner than a sidekick. But uh, um, that's who jumps to mind. And we have uh, a second email from uh, the email is from Tree Palmetto. Okay. He says he's been listening to our show nonstop since I randomly heard Will plug it on Comedy Bang Bang. Um, he talks about his history with comics. He talks about how he started with the Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man, and I loved Frank Miller's Daredevil. But I was way more of a DC guy, and therefore I had only read a few original Stanley issues before I mainlined every episode of your show. Um, and he gives us some compliments. It's really nice. Thank you. Uh, but he has some things to comment on. All right. Number one, the use of the word blamed or blammed yes. in these comics and whether it's a stand in for damned or something. You looked this up already in an early Spidey episode. Oh. And it is an actual word, adjective, informal, used for emphasis, especially to express dis- disappropriation or annoyance. A blamed old sodden-headed sudden headed conservative. Oh. But it was probably also the closest thing to an expletive that they could print at the time. So we've talked about that. We're already repeating ourselves, Will. That's embarrassing. Uh, he goes se- on. It seems to be pronounced what? blamed. Is it blamed? Yep. So I'm right. You were right and I was wrong. I keep reading that one dialogue where he says blamed in the first issue. And it blamed sounds weird there. It feels like that one should be blamed. But... Um, but I guess I'm right, and I'll just take the win. Yep. Uh, number two, the yeah. authorship question gets asked a lot about these early Marvel comics, but the Hulk feels like a particularly interesting one. The square-jawed, muscular protagonist Thunderbolt Ross and the outlandish villains feel very Kirby, but the gaunt, haunted banner and split personality feel closer to someone Ditko might create. Yeah. Um, Rick Jones also seems to be the main outlet for Zippy Stan Lee dialogue. Uh, so as the Hulk was created early on when the creative teams were presumably still in close communication, how much do people credit Lee with the character? And I guess that means Rick Jones. And I don't know. I think nobody knows who to credit, especially in the Hulk. Um, like it feels very Kirby-ish and like Kirby would throw in a kid just cause that's what you do. Yeah. And Stan would just make sense of it. Um, I, I believe that Stan was trying to, that Stan's dialogue was in reaction to Kirby's plotting. I think Kirby was doing what he thought was right. And then Stan just, you know, went, went with it. I mean, it is a question when they were coming up with this, like at what point are they like, we should have a teenager in here that follows the Hulk around, or was that just always in there? Or was that something one of them suggested? And then, you know, it's just unclear. Yeah, I agree. It's weird. Uh, and his third one is, as a lifelong DC fanatic, I'm curious if any DC runs have been as much significance for you as the Marvel ones you talk about so much. I mean, Kevin has read, like, all comics, so Kevin has a lot of DC stuff that he loves. Mm-hmm. For the two of us, the really the, the main one I think of is Justice League by Keith Giffen is an ambush bug. Yeah, the Keith Giffen uh, Justice League, for sure, um, uh, had a big impact on us. Then, of course, Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen, I mean... Those are DC. Yes. Batman Year One. Batman Year One, yeah. Um, maybe that, that might be it, though, right? That, I don't know. I mean, I've that read That we it overlap too. on. Um, that definitely we read growing up. That's probably the main thing. I read, we read mostly Marvel. I read mostly Marvel. I read Swamp Thing as an adult and really loved it, but that was kind of separate from Kevin Hines' overlap. Although you've read Swamp Thing, right? I've read Swamp Thing and I also love it. Sandman. Oh, yeah. Sandman we both read. That's her, we you know, both that's, love, that, as that's well sort as of uh, on the fringes uh, of Lucifer what, to different degrees. Yes, I read all Lucifer after you read it on your recommendation. Um, although we were adults, we were adults at that time. Yeah. Um, as as kids, it was uh, really only Justice League, and and then various other little issues. We had like a digest of Superman stories. Do you remember the red and blue super? That was like a story of yes. like weird Superman stories that had like red and blue. All the all the weird Kryptonite stories. 
Yeah, we had like a, an imaginary story volume of Superman books. The red and blue one always stuck out to me as well as a great, fun story. So Superman they, is split into red and blue and like one sort of marries Lois and one marries Lana. Yeah, it's really strange. So uh, th- th- there's a smattering, but I was more of a Marvel guy. So Kevin and I overlap mostly in Marvel just because that's I'm sort of the limiting reagent of this reaction here. Um, yeah, but but we are talking about covering Ambush Bug and or Justice League International at least at some point and Sandman. Yeah, I, I think we will. So we'll get a little we'll get DC in there somehow, even if it's not your classic middle of the road DC stuff. Uh, Tree also asks when I perform uh, at New York. Well, OK, he, he wants to know when you perform. That's right. Don't he tell him. See, he wants to see me. I, yeah. Why would I want an audience? Yeah. Uh, I Kevin, perform every Saturday at UCB Theater at 7.30 p.m. with my team, The Curfew. That's the main show I do. Sometimes I do other things, but that's my regular show. Yeah. So your best chance to see me is Saturdays at 7.30 in New York City. Yeah, it's not like us to try to get an audience. Kevin and I's performing career has been to stay fringy and edgy. It's important to our artistic integrity to not be popular. Otherwise, yeah, we if, would be. If I get big laughs, I'm just like, I'm doing something wrong. Yep. I change it. People aren't thinking enough. Once I start to get work in the entertainment industry, I'm like, I got to switch it up. How can I remain obscure? I mean, you and I are also known for being very offensive. Yeah. We say what people are, are thinking, but they're scared to say. Yeah. We push to the edges of what people consider good taste. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people we turned off as you can tell from this podcast. Yeah. We're friends oh, with uh, Alex Jones. We're friends with like uh, Joe Rogan. Right. Joe Rogan is always asking us to be on his podcast. We're like, Joe, we, we're, we're not, we're busy. Yeah. And he wants to be on our podcast and we're like, you're not big enough. You're not big enough. Get more popular in the podcast world. We'll think about it. Yeah. Though I, I do love news radio. I'll give Joe Rogan that. Yeah. Um, I've never listened to a show. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I have no idea either. I don't think I would like it or him, but I like news anything. radio. We don't know anything. Um, uh, yeah, but that's when I perform. Thank you for asking tree. Uh, so, you know, come out, check out a show, bring some yeah. friends, bring some friends, bring a hundred um, friends. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a good show. I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of me. Yeah. The curfew is great. Um, that's it. That's it. Well, two emails, one that let me plug my show and one that didn't. Okay. And um, thank you. And anybody wants to email us, please do. And uh, without further ado, Kevin, I think we can wrap up this up. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week for issue three with uh, uh, Rick Jones controlling the Hulk. A little yeah. tease there for what's going to come up. Exciting. All right. Uh, good podcasting, Kevin. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Magnets. Comics. Hey, this is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. And we do a podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. Each episode we have a guest and we all share a story of a time that our kids drove us to drink. Parenting isn't easy, but it sure can be funny. Listen to us on Campfire Media. Why Mommy Drinks. Campfire.